This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Sunday, June 21st, 2020. On this day in 1989, the United States Supreme Court ruled that flag burning is protected by the First Amendment of the Constitution. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the controversial Supreme Court ruling which established that burning an American flag is an act of free speech. Let's go back to the halls of American justice, midday on June 21st, 1989. The nine justices were lined up behind the massive mahogany desk that served as their bench. Today, they were hearing closing arguments on the case of Texas versus Johnson. This particular case had a long journey to reach the Supreme Court. In fact, the alleged crime had taken place five years previously. And to understand the crime in question, the justices had to examine the events of a hot August day in 1984. The 1984 Republican National Convention was held in Dallas, Texas. The Republican Party was championed by Ronald Reagan, who faced little competition in the upcoming election. However, that fact spawned significant protests against the perceived Republican dominance of the election. That morning, Gregory Johnson donned a pair of ripped jeans and a sleeveless sweatshirt. The day promised to be hot in Texas, so he grabbed a beaten red ball cap, neckerchief, and sunglasses, too. Finally ready, he headed out the door to the downtown protests. The protest was called the Corporate War Chest Tour. The wave of demonstrators swept through the downtown shopping district, startling shoppers with splattered paint and signs, hollering about corruption and injustice. They tore through department stores and banks, scattering deposit slips and chanting slogans. The group then made their way towards City Hall, where a wide reflecting pool decorated the plaza in front of the government building. Along the way, a protester ripped a medium-sized American flag off a flagpole outside one of the banks. It wasn't Gregory Johnson who tore down the four-foot flag, but at some point along the march toward City Hall, it ended up in his hands. Johnson was still carrying his flag as the angry group approached the plaza. When they reached the municipal headquarters, he pulled his ball cap low over his eyes. Then he crouched on the dark marble tile outside City Hall, doused the flag with a small can of kerosene, and set it ablaze. A splinter group of demonstrators gathered around the tiny bonfire, watching the flames consume the stars and stripes. They chanted, America, the red, white, and blue, we spit on you. It didn't take long for the flag to burn down to ashes. 
one of the protesters scooped up the remains of the flag and tucked them into his backpack. He later buried them in his backyard. Meanwhile, the protesters had gathered around the reflecting pool in front of the building. Some jumped in, wading through the cool, splashing water on the hot afternoon. With all of the protesters gathered around the fountain, it gave the Dallas police the perfect opportunity to round them all up at once. Johnson was only one of the 99 people arrested, but witnesses had pegged him as the flag burner. Two female officers restrained him and put him in handcuffs, with Johnson shouting about his rights all the while. He was the only protester to be charged with a crime. Johnson's lone criminal charge was desecration of a sacred object, which was a Class A misdemeanor under Texas Penal Code. Johnson was convicted and sentenced to a year in prison and a $2,000 fine. However, this was only the beginning of the journey towards the highest court in the land, where a private citizen and a state government would battle for the final word on exercising free speech. Coming up, the Supreme Court ruling sparks a national debate and an angry response from Congress. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. On June 21, 1989, the Supreme Court ruled on the case of Texas versus Johnson, which had a long road to reach the nation's highest pavilion of justice. After Johnson's conviction, he appealed the decision. However, the regional appeals court was quick to uphold the conviction. So Johnson and his lawyers brought his case before the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, which then overturned the previous court's convictions. The state court wrote that, recognizing that the right to differ is the centerpiece of our First Amendment freedoms, and a government cannot mandate a feeling of unity in its citizens, nor carve out a symbol of unity and prescribe a set of approved messages to be associated with that symbol. The appellate court had abruptly made the case about more than a misdemeanor. The court was saying Johnson's case was about the right to free speech. This was a judicial mess, with multiple Texas judges having written formal judgments in opposition to each other. So the state of Texas brought the case to a federal level, where a higher national court could work the final word. This was exactly the kind of situation the Supreme Court was created to handle. But the nine justices were divided on their opinions. The number of justices was written into law for exactly this reason. Nine judges couldn't evenly divide on a case and deadlock the ruling. There would always be a final decision, even if only one judge was the deciding vote. This was what happened with Gregory Johnson's case. 
the judges were split five to four with the final ruling in favor of Johnson. The Supreme Court decided that Johnson had not committed a crime by burning the flag. Instead, the court set a precedent in free speech. The final ruling of Supreme Court cases is published in two parts. One is called the majority opinion, which outlines the legal reasoning of the judges on the so-called winning side. The minority opinion allows the justices on the other side to write out their dissent and formally disagree with the other justices. The minority opinion said that the flag was a unique symbol for national unity and thus had to be protected from destructive actions. The protection of symbolic speech was less important than protecting the most important symbol of America's identity. But in the majority opinion, Justice William Brennan wrote, Johnson was convicted for engaging in expressive conduct. The state's interest in preventing breaches of the peace does not support his conviction because Johnson's conduct did not threaten to disturb the peace, nor does the state's interest in preserving the flag as a symbol of nationhood and national unity justify his criminal conviction for engaging in political expression. This broke the case down into two parts, the first of which was saying that Johnson's burning of the flag hadn't really been a crime worth arresting someone over, since it wasn't inherently violent or disruptive. But the second part, about the flag as a symbol, established that the state cannot tell people what to think or say about a symbol. To do that would be to infringe upon their right to free speech, and thus be unconstitutional. Burning the flag was legal under the right to free speech. But Chief Justice William Rehnquist in the minority said, I cannot agree that the First Amendment invalidates the act of Congress and the laws of 48 of the 50 states, which make criminal the public burning of the flag. This was an important point, as Congress already had laws protecting the flag from desecration. So in response to the court ruling, Congress doubled down and passed another law called the Flag Protection Act, which specifically made burning the flag a federal crime. But just a year later, the Supreme Court ruled that law, too, was unconstitutional. The very same 5-4 split between the justices struck down the Flag Protection Act in 1990. To this day, burning the American flag is still legal as an act of free speech. However, it is also still a crime. A citizen can often be arrested for burning the flag, as it is considered a misdemeanor for starting a fire without a permit. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on controversial U.S. policies, check out the ParCast original, Political Scandals, which explores more of America's tumultuous political history. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Andrew Messer, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime.